do welcome each one this morning to our worship as we meet with the Lord and as we hear the preaching of his word. And if you're visiting with us, we especially welcome you as well. In recent days in our nation, we have been remembering those who have given their lives for our country and in service of our nation and for our freedoms. And so before we commence public worship this morning, as a congregation, we're going to observe a moment's silence to remember those who gave their lives in that service. So could I uh, please ask the congregation to stand and we'll have a moment's silence and then uh, we'll pray afterwards. They shall not grow old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them. Let us pray. Eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank Thee today that we can come into Thy presence. We thank Thee we can come with hearts that are heavy in remembrance, in remembrance of those who gave their lives in service of this nation. And we think of the Commonwealth nations. And we think, Father, of those who lay down their lives for the cause of freedom. Uh, we do remember those today who serve in the armed forces. And we pray that uh, thy hand of protection uh, would be upon each one. And we thank thee for those who have served and who have uh, given their lives uh, for our freedoms. And Father, we pray that we will continue to remember their sacrifices we look to thee this day because thou art the one who is upon the throne. And thou art the one who has preserved us. And thou art the one uh, who has had thy hand upon this nation. And Father, we uh, think uh, not only in remembrance of those who gave their lives, but we think of the ultimate sacrifice that was given for us, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank Thee for the Savior who gave his life uh, to redeem sinners. We thank Thee for the glorious gospel of Christ. And we thank Thee that in times of remembrance, that it is the gospel that gives us comfort. 
And we pray, O God, our thoughts, our focus would be upon thee. And for thou alone are our Savior and our Redeemer. And Father, today as we worship thee, we pray thy hand would be upon us for good. That even as we reflect upon aspects of remembrance as well, and that we would be thankful to Almighty God for his hand of preservation upon our lives and upon our nation. Father, bless us, we ask of thee, and do our souls good as we continue in worship. And we pray for Christ's sake. Amen. And you may be seated. We're going to commence the worship of God this morning by turning in the scriptures to John's Gospel, chapter 15. John's Gospel, chapter 15. And we're going to read from verse 8 down to the verse 14. John's Gospel, chapter 8, and commence, John's Gospel, chapter 15, commencing at verse 8. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be my disciples. As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Continue ye in my love. If ye keep my commandments, ye shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be full. This is my commandment, that ye love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word this morning. We're going to turn in our hymnals to the, the, the Psalm 116b. Uh, the Psalm 116b, there is a section of Psalms at the back of the hymnal. And 116b, what shall I render to the Lord? What shall my offering be for all the gracious benefits God hath bestowed on me? Psalm 116b, we'll stand as we sing, please.
be seated. Let us unite together in prayer once again, and let us seek the Lord praying for this service and for the preaching of the word and for the work of God here. Let us pray. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank thee that we can come and enter into thy presence today. We thank thee, Father, that we can lift our voices to thee in praise and in rejoicing for all that thou hast done for us. And Father, today we thank thee uh, that we can come as thy people rejoicing in the blessed and glorious salvation we have through our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank thee that we are the redeemed of the Lord, saved and bought by the precious blood of thy Son. And Father, today as we gather together and meet with Thee, we desire Thy presence here. We desire to know the power of Thy Spirit. Uh, to desire to know the speaking voice of Thy Spirit as we consider Thy Word together. Father, teach us. Teach us and instruct us in the way that we ought to go. Father, speak regarding the great truths of salvation, we pray. We do remember those in our midst who know not the Savior. Father, draw near to them, we pray today. Draw them to thyself, uh, that they may rejoice in the goodness of God and in, in the greatness of thy salvation. Father, we remember loved ones and friends and family members of those who are gathered here and those who are part of our congregation who know not the Savior. And Father, move in their hearts, we pray. Whether they be young or old, Father, do a work within them. We ask of thee, glorify thy name in saving power. And we thank thee, thou art a God who is on the throne. And thou art a God who saves. And we pray today that we would rejoice afresh in seeing those who have been prayed for coming and trusting in Christ as salvation. Our Father, we do remember the Sunday school. We thank thee for the boys and girls. We pray for the teachers that they, not only themselves, would be instructed in the truth of God, but instructed by thee to uh, teach uh, the younger generation in the things of God. We thank thee for them and for their labors for thee. And we pray that thou would be pleased uh, to continue and to continue in uh, blessing uh, this work. Father, we remember the radio broadcast as well that go out. We pray that uh, thou would be pleased to bless that work. We think of the Reverend Gallagher. And we ask thee that he would know much of thy blessing, much of thy presence as he prepares these radio broadcasts. Father, we do uh, remember him at this time and his family. Remember Calvin especially. Father, draw near, we pray, and uh, give uh, that strength and that help and uh, the touch of the great physician, we pray. Father, we remember our brother Vern also, 
and uh, the family circle there. Bless our brother, we pray. May he know uh, thy help, thy strength, and the presence of his Savior. Remember Debbie also, Clayton Snow, we pray that thou would uh, bless. We do remember our sister Sonia, and uh, we pray, Father, that uh, she would know blessed recovery uh, from uh, this uh, surgery uh, earlier last week. Uh, we pray that uh, she would know thy presence and thy strength. And Father, for others as well, uh, do you remember our brother Colin and his mother and the needs there. Father, draw near, we pray, and meet us all at the point of our need. We thank thee that in the trials and difficulties and in the circumstances of life, for us, thy people, there is a God to whom we can turn and one who we can depend upon. And we pray today that in our trials that we would look to thee, that we would rejoice, and that we can cast our care upon thee, for thou careth for us. Father, we remember our denomination as well. We think of our missionaries. Do you remember, Father, the work there in Jamaica? Remember our brother Richard Craig as he pastors that flock in little London. Bless our brother, we pray. And may he know uh, not only today the outpouring of thy spirit, but as he labors for thee and is that witness for thee, bless him, we pray. Bless that work. Encourage thy people there. And may it go uh, from strength to strength to the glory of thy name. And Father, may we look to thee this day, looking for thy grace. Father, forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for our feelings. May our eyes be upon thee, rejoicing in the goodness and in the love and in the death of our Savior. And Father, teach us thy word, we pray, and glorify thy name, we ask for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. I'm going to turn again in our hymnals this morning uh, to the hymn 586. Uh, 586. It is a hymn that uh, we uh, wrote the wrong number down a few Sunday evenings ago, and we enjoyed singing that hymn. We sang it last Lord's Day morning, and so we're singing it again, and the more that we sing it, uh, the more we get to know it, and uh, the more we can not only rejoice in the words, but on occasions in the future, we can come back as we know uh, this hymn. But 586, uh, Looking to Christ. And we'll stand as we sing again, please.
hand. You may be seated. We're going to turn in the Word of God this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. And we're going to read a selection of verses from this chapter, commencing at verse 20. And the situation, the circumstances here are well known to us, I'm sure. Uh, the children of Israel under King Saul are facing the Philistines. Their great hero, Goliath of Gath, has come out and has challenged uh, the people of God. And I think we should probably read uh, the entire passage today. Uh, it is uh, 58 verses, and uh, we... We could read the 58 verses, and uh, I'm also aware that the sermon this morning might be a little longer uh, than is usual as well, and so we're reading just a selection of verses, but I do encourage you yourselves to go home and to read this chapter, uh, all of it, and to take some time uh, reading through all of these 58 verses. Uh, but for this morning, we'll read just a, a selection of 1 Samuel 17 and the verse 20, the word of God says, And David rose up early in the morning and left the sheep with the keeper and took and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the trench as the host was going forth to the fight and shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines had put the battle in array, army against army. And David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper of the carriage and ran into the army, and he came and saluted his brethren. And as he talked with them, behold, there came up the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, out of the armies of the Philistines, and spake according to the same words, and David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were sore freed. And the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich, with, enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. And David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine? And taketh away the reproach from Israel. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him. And Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart, for thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul, and he sent for him. And then verse 41. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto David, and the man that bore the shield went before him. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, 
for he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistines said unto David, Am I a dog, that thou comest to me with steves? And the Philistine cursed God by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the earth and to the beasts of the field. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee, and I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the earth and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. And it came to pass, when the Philistine arose and came and drew nigh to meet David, that David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in his bag and took thence a stone and slang it, smote the Philistine in his forehead, that the stone sunk into his forehead, and he fell upon his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone, and smote the Philistine and slew him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him, and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. Amen. And may the Lord bless the reading of his word to our hearts this morning. Amen. Amen. This point in our service, can we extend a warm word of welcome to each one? And trusting the Lord will bless us and meet with us as we gather around his word today. Do remember the prayer meeting tonight at 5.30 p.m.? The evening service at 6 p.m. is in the will of the Lord. We meet again here, and we encourage you to come back and to hear the preaching of the Word tonight. Do remember the various services throughout the week. They are on the announcements, and so for the sake of time this morning, I'm not going to go over those, but there are a number of announcements I want to draw your attention to. On Saturday, the 18th of November, uh, this incoming Saturday, the men meet for their prayer breakfast at 8 a.m. And then there is a work party afterwards. Uh, that work party uh, is not only for the men, but for the ladies of the congregation as well. And so uh, the ladies uh, can join us. I don't have a particular time, uh, but there is uh, work to be done. There's some cleaning to be done inside, and there's work to be done outside. And so uh, if you're able to come and help, do let us know. And uh, there, there's a number of things uh, that need to be done. The women's uh, breakfast uh, will meet again Saturday the 2nd of December. So we do encourage the ladies of the congregation uh, to remember that in the will of the Lord. On Friday the 15th of December at 7 p.m. here in the church we have our annual Christmas social. And so uh, do remember that. There will be more uh, details about that at a later date. And then on Saturday, the 9th of December at 12 p.m., 
Uh, we're having a Christmas lunch for those who are 55 plus at Newlands Golf and Country Club. And so we're asking uh, that if uh, you're able to go and want to go, there is a list on the table in the hall. Uh, so please put your name on that list. We need to know uh, the exact numbers for the booking. And at this point, we have uh, some places uh, that are booked. We have about 15 uh, seats available. We can increase that. And if there is more who want to go, we can increase that number. Uh, but we need to know if you're going. And so we do invite and welcome those who are 55 plus to come to that and to put your name on the list. And if your name is on the list uh, today and uh, next week, uh, that gives us plenty of time uh, to adjust uh, that booking and the numbers if so uh, required. So do come. It would be a good time, a time where we have some fellowship around a meal. And so we do encourage you to put your name on that list. In regard to our radio ministry, uh, we will be broadcasting on Radio Cary and stations in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, and the Maritimes next year. So do remember that work in your prayers and pray for the Lord to bless it and to uh, support that. And then the uh, TBS, the Trinitarian Bible Society, uh, the calendars for 2024 have arrived. And they're free of charge. They're on the table in the hall. And so uh, there are plenty of copies. So do take a copy off the calendar. Take one for yourselves. There's, I think, extra copies. You can take some for a few others as well. So it's good to have the Word of God in your home. Good to have the Word of God on prominent display. And I've given out many of these calendars over the years. And uh, you'd be surprised at those who uh, don't profess faith in Christ. And they appreciate a calendar and they do put it up in their home. And so every day they're looking at the Word of God. And so and may the Lord be pleased to even use these calendars uh, in uh, that way. These are all the announcements and they're subject to the will of God. We're going to turn in our hymnals, the hymn 585. 585. Am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name. 585 will remain seated while our tithes for the Lord's work are received, please. <laughs>
pray. Our Heavenly God and Father, we come before Thee this morning with thankful hearts. We thank Thee, Lord, for Thy care for us over this past week and month. We thank Thee, Lord, for Thy goodness that You show to us each day. We ask You to take our tithes and our offerings, that You would bless them and use them, that the gospel may go forth across this land. We pray that people would hear it, that they would be touched, and that you would use it to save souls, change hearts, restore backsliders, and we ask that we would give you the praise. Be with our pastor, help him to speak. We ask that you would bless the words, that we may be edified by them as well. And Bless each one. Help us to worship thee this day, the Lord's day. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to change our positions. We'll stand for verse 4, 585, verse 4. Sure, I must fight if I would reign. Increase my courage, Lord. Standing to sing verse 4, please. be seated. Returning again in the Word of God to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel 17. <coughs> and I want to leave two verses of Scripture with you, and the verse 29 and the verse number 46. And the verse 29 says, David said, what have I now done is they're not a cause. Is there not a cause? And verse 46, This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee, and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the hosts of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the earth, and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, that all the earth may know that there is a God in in Israel. Amen. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Let us unite together in prayer and let us seek the Lord, please. Eternal God and Father in heaven, we rejoice in thy goodness and in thy grace toward us. We thank thee for the preaching of thy word. May thy word, as it is preached today, be a blessing uh, to souls. It may be a blessing by thy grace to life eternal. And we pray that thou would speak through thy word and direct us through thy word and encourage our hearts and challenge us through thy word today. And Father, we pray that thou would take away all distractions that may come upon us. Some of these distractions may be good and wholesome in their own time, but not during the worship of our God. And so, Father, focus our hearts and focus our souls upon the precious word of God May each of us have that desire that we need to hear from thee. We need that message from thee to our hearts. May that be our prayer. And as we move through this message, Father, may we continue to pray that, Lord, speak to me, speak to my heart, that I would receive thy word 
for today and thy word that I need for this week, that by thy grace I would apply it to my heart. Father, teach us. Teach us these things. Teach us the importance of praying alongside thy precious word. And bless it to us. We pray for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. This weekend, we have been reminded afresh of the sacrifice paid by the nations in the world in the great conflicts of last century, especially, and other wars as well. And one of the great Allied victories of the Second World War was the Battle of Britain. It was a defensive victory that prevented the invasion of Britain and enabled the invasion of France several years later. During that battle, the British Prime Minister said, never in the field of human conflict was so much owed by so many to so few. And our scripture reading this morning has brought us to another famous battle, a battle that uh, would be known by many of us, if not all of us, a battle that those unfamiliar with the Word of God would know something about. We often associate this battle with two particular characters, David and Goliath. But before these men stood against each other, two opposing forces, two armies stood at either side of the Valley of Elah, the Israelites and the Philistines. But a typical battle had not taken place. For the Philistine champion, a giant by the name of Goliath, challenged Israel. And many years ago, I was in Israel. I went uh, to where uh, this battle was fought, the Valley of Elah. And our guide wanted to reenact something of the battle. And so she needed someone to stand in for Goliath. And, well, I was the tallest one in the group. I was Goliath. And one of our ministers from Northern Ireland, uh, he... Uh, was a lot smaller than I was in his height, and he was David. And so he uh, really got into the role. And uh, when the guide uh, described David, and described David taking the stone and putting it in his sling and throwing it at the giant, uh, this man took the stone and threw it at the giant, which was me. And so I was stoned in the Valley of Elah, I remember uh, lying down as the giant, and then he proceeded to the next part of the story, which was taking the giant's head off, uh, but he didn't get too far with that. Uh, humorous uh, memories of what happened there. Uh, but when we think of that scene, it was a serious scene. We know the solemnity of battle. Uh, we have experienced that every November when we think of those who gave their lives this nation remembers again and again and again this solemn time and their thankfulness for those that paid that great sacrifice. And so the Battle of Elah, we could call it that. This situation between David and Goliath, it was a solemn thing. It was a serious matter because it concerned the glory of God. It concerned the people that God had chosen. And we find that these Israelites were not walking with God the way that they ought to have been walking. 
They were faced with the enemy. And the reality is that they were scared of the enemy. They had forgotten the power of God. They did not know the spirit of God. They were nothing like those who had gone before them and had taken on the foe and had won the victory. We can think of the battles of Israel in days gone by. We can think of the judges who, though their number were small, they accomplished great things for God through faith. It was said that these Israelites should have defended God's honor and they should have triumphed had they also had the bold faith of David. They lacked the spirit of God. And Israel as a nation, because of the leadership of King Saul, had lost the blessing of God. The Lord said in two chapters previous, it repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king, for he is turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried unto the Lord all the night. And when men who are supposed to be in leadership and in spiritual leadership and leading by a godly example do not follow the Lord the way that they ought to do, well, Samuel's reaction is how we are to react. It's grieving. He cried all the night long. It's grieving when those who are supposed to be the servants of God fail to show any spiritual leadership. Believer, when we think of this army, they had the right equipment for the battle. They had the great history in fighting, but they lost the blessing of the Lord. And that can happen to us today as the church of Christ. We can have our building and we can have our membership and we can have our finances and we can have our radio ministry to apply this to ourselves. And we can have our services broadcast on sermon audio. And we can have our website. And we can have our literature. And we can do all that we can and have the various aspects of the work of God. But yet, if we have lost the blessing of God, it is all in vain. Let us continually desire the Lord's guidance and the Lord's help and the presence of his spirit in all that we do for him, lest we be like Israel of old. And in this world, you and I are part of the army of Christ standing for the gospel. We sang those words, am I a soldier of the cross, a follower of the Lamb? And shall I fear to own his cause or blush to speak his name? And David here, he comes on to this scene. A sorry scene, a scene where the nation was defeated. His question in verse 29 is soul searching. Is there not a cause? He was criticized, criticized for his reaction to what was going on. And he cries out, Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause to stand for truth? Is there not a cause to stand here and to fight? There is a cause the cause of God and the cause of his truth. And David was determined to stand. And the reality is that in the Christian life, we face times in which we have to stand. It is not always smooth sailing. We often sail through rough seas. During the Second World War, the Navy patrols sailed across the ocean. But there was always that thread underneath of submarines lurking beneath the surface 
of warships on the horizon. And the enemy is always their believer. The enemy is always against the church of Christ. He's always near. And if you truly love the Savior, you cannot avoid taking a stand for him that will bring you into conflict with the world and with its anti-God agenda. Standing for truth and standing for Christ and standing for the gospel is all a crucial part of who we are as believers. It is sad to see those who will claim Christ and claim his world, yet as the world pushes them into a corner and they're faced with standing for God, they melt. Like I believe it was C.T. Studd spoke about, chocolate soldiers. Once the heat is applied, it'll melt. They'll melt. We are not to be chocolate soldiers for Christ. The enemy is around us. We're to stand. David's the great example here. And I want us to consider this morning then fighting for a worthy cause. Fighting for a worthy cause. And firstly, our motivation is the glory of God. Our motivation is the glory of God. Here the motivation is given as those who would defeat this giant, they would receive a prize, as it were. And verse uh, 25 says, The king will enrich him with great riches, and will give him his daughter, and make his father's house free in Israel. The man that killed the giant, he would have riches, his house would be free, and he would get a wife out of it as well. That's pretty tempting, maybe for some. But yet, that's motivation for the flesh and motivation for self. And we as the army of Christ ought not to be motivated to stand for God because of self, because of our ego, because of what we will gain from it. But rather we see the words of David, is there not a cause? Forget these prize. Forget what the king will give. Forget about his daughter. Is there not a cause? There's a reason and a motivation for us to stand for God. And it has nothing to do with the king's riches or the honor of the king being upon our house or the king's daughter marrying us. It is to do with God. This is David's implication here. Is there not a cause to stand? God is being defied. God is being defied. And that is what Goliath was doing. Why did the heathen rage, the psalmist said, and the people imagine a vain thing? We find that Goliath defies the God of heaven. Verse 45, the end of that. Whom thou hast defied. And David's motivation here is God's glory. It's not of him. He doesn't want the pride of this. He doesn't want the ego trip of this. He's thinking of God. His heart is close to God. And dear believer, as we fight for Christ and stand for him in this world, where is your heart? Is it close to the Lord? If it is close to the Lord, you'll be motivated to glorify him and to serve him. You'll be concerned about the glory of God in all that you do, not the glory of man. Not the glory of man. David understood who God was and who God is. God reigneth over the heathen. Verse 8 of Psalm 47. God sitteth upon the throne of his holiness. 
He acknowledges the righteous God. He acknowledges the holy God. He acknowledges the God who is upon the throne. And he looks at the holiness of God. And he has a reverence toward him. And he has a fear of him. And to be Christ-centered, to be God-centered, we must be those who look upon the holiness of God and fear him. John Murray, the theologian, said, the fear of God is the soul of godliness. We'll be godly if we fear and have reverence to the Lord. Is your worship of God half-hearted? Is your obedience to his word faltering? Are you easily distracted by this world and earthly concerns if you failed? Dear believer, to take opportunities for Christ. Seek a renewed sense of his righteousness and his holiness and who God is and who this God is that you love and serve and stand for. David prayed, teach me thy way, O Lord. I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to fear thy name. Psalm 86 verse 11. And if we are struggling in life to stand for the Lord and to love the Lord, let us pray that he would teach us. Oh, that we would not be like Israel. That our motivation would not be self. That we would not have to be stirred up for self. The preacher could say, well, everyone who goes out and witnesses this week or takes a hundred gospel tracts or it goes and has conversations or brings individuals into church next Lord's Day, well, the treasure will give you a check of $100 for every person you bring in. There's motivation. But it's not godly motivation. That's not glorifying to God. It's self-motivation. It's the motivation of the flesh. We should endeavor to do these things and to witness and to invite people into the house of God and to serve the Lord not because we get financial gain from it or whatever it might be or a clap on our back, but because we love the Lord, because we are concerned about his glory and we're doing it for his glory. We're doing it to reach precious souls with the gospel of Christ. David's motivation here was not about self. It was about the glory of his God. Oh, that we would not be like Israel. That the Lord would teach us his way that we would walk in his truth that his heart our hearts would be united to fear his name david understood who he was in light of god john calvin said we are gods and that's gods with the possessive case we belong to god is what he's saying we are gods we belong to god let us therefore live for him and die for him we are gods we belong to god let his wisdom and will therefore rule our actions we are gods. We belong to him. Let all the parts of our life accordingly strive toward him as our only goal. He understood the glory of God. David understood the glory of God here. Calvin said again, our whole duty in general respects the nature of God. It is our giving glory to him because he is God. And as he is God, glorifying him as God. And therefore, as we stand for the Lord, that stand is to be a God-glorifying stand. Not for ourselves, not for fame, but glorifying God. Doing it for God. David was motivated by God's glory to attempt the impossible. He was a young lad, quite possibly in his teens. A youth, standing in warfare against a giant well-experienced in combat. 
We could say about David's chances. Humanly speaking, a little lad against a man of war, against a giant. David didn't stand a chance in human possibility. But yet he was motivated by the glory of God. He looked to the Lord for help. He took a stand for him. It was not his ability. It was God's ability. And God used a young man who was determined to stand for his glory. Oh, the glory of God should be a motivation to you and I to attempt great things for God. Here is a man who had the right attitude. And the larger catechism reminds us of that. Man's chief and highest end is to glorify God, to glorify him in all that we do. That's our object in life. That's our object in standing for the Lord. David was fulfilling here his purpose of glorifying God. Thomas Watson the Puritan said that the glory of God is a silver thread in which must run all our actions. Everything we do should be to the glory of God. And that's an interesting thing. How can I glorify God, not only in standing for him, but in everything that I do, God's glory motivating us in all that we do. How can I glorify him in everything that I do? Well, we think before we speak. We think before we act. If you need to go and buy a new car, you're not going to go straight into the dealership, point to the bright red Ferrari and say, I'll take that. Not considering the price, not considering the miles or kilometers per gallon or the insurance or the safety or the cost of maintenance or even a test drive. You'll just take it. But I think... In reality, you'll go and look at that car. You'll go away and compare prices and notes before you spend twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 on a car. You'll make sure that that car is not going to be too expensive to run. That that car meets your needs. That that car suits you as you seek to drive. That's probably how we all would seek to buy a car. But living for God's glory is of far greater importance than what car you'll buy. There should be that second thought in everything that we do, everything that we hear. Is this good or is this not? Can we decide in the moment? Maybe not. We might need to go away and think about it. To think about God's glory, to examine the decision that we have to make. Can I do this? For the glory of God. Can I do this action for the glory of God? And David here was looking at this situation. He said, well, there's something here that needs to be done for the glory of God. We should be standing against this giant for the glory of God. And dear believer, everything that we do should be governed by the glory of God. And when we think of that, the nation here was scared. It was worried. They'd lost the presence of God. They'd lost the power of his spirit. We're not to be like that as the people of God. Because our motivation is God's glory and therefore we seek him 
and we seek his help. And God must be glorified by the right means, according to the principles and directions set down in Scripture. Could David glorify God by making peace with the enemy, by saying to Goliath, you and I, we can coexist. We can work together. We can set up a government and there can be King Saul as the leader of that government and your leaders and we can all come together and have peace. No, because we cannot glorify God by making peace with his enemies. We cannot glorify God by liberalism or ecumenism within the church of Christ and by siding with that which is not a gospel. There are ways and means that we cannot use in glorifying God. In Nehemiah chapter 6, we find that there were enemies of God's people. They decided to do mischief to the work of God that Nehemiah was engaged in. They wanted him to come and wanted to meet with him so they could do mischief. The word mischief is used in that text. And it says, I sent messengers unto them saying, I am doing a great work so that I cannot come down. Why should the work cease whilst I leave it and come down to you? I'm doing a great work. Those aren't words of pride from Nehemiah. He's doing God's work. That is a great work. And he was not going to leave that work aside to come together with those who were against that work or those who sought to try and get involved to help, but in reality to hinder that work. But the thinking today among many and they think of this text. There are many men who seek or claim to serve God and they're doing a great work. How dare anyone criticize them or criticize the means that they use? But a great work is determined by being to the glory of God alone, using not the means of men, but the means of God. Nehemiah, by saying, I'm staying, I'm doing this work, he was glorifying God. He was putting his head to the work that God had for him to do. David here, by standing against Goliath, was glorifying God. He was not coming and making an alliance with him or engaging in sin. He stood firm. There must be the right means. The right means. We can think of that in the house of God. We can think of that in evangelism. There must be the right means. If you want to go and bring your friend to the service at church tonight, how would you go about it? You wouldn't grab them by their hair, put handcuffs on them, throw them into the trunk of your car like they were being kidnapped, and march them into church, sit them down, and make sure they don't move. That's not the right means. It's not the right means. You know how you would invite people in and how you would witness to individuals to bring them into the house of God. We must use the right means. And David here... He used the right means in glorifying God. He stood against the enemy of God. And his whole situation here, the stones, standing against Goliath, it was all for God's glory. We can see the glory of God in that because, humanly speaking, he would have been defeated. But God was in it. Oh, that God would be in the means that we use. Oh, that God would help us and strengthen us to serve him. But then secondly, I want you to see our mission is to evangelize for Christ. Our mission is to evangelize for Christ. We're motivated by the glory of God, but our mission is to evangelize for Christ. What was David? David was an evangelist. He was someone who sought to 
Make known the name of God to the nations. Verse 46. And he says, this is his great purpose, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. D David tells Goliath a reason for fighting, evangelizing, letting the world know that there is a true God and a living God. Goliath needed to know the truth, but Israel needed to know the truth as well. They had took their eyes of that. Many in the church need to know this truth as well because they've missed it completely. That the mission of the church is to reach out. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. When we stand for God, when we defend his truth, we are witnessing. The spiritual work is a work of declaration. It's the work the apostles did. The world needs to know this truth that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. David said in Psalm 9, 9 verse 11, Sing praises to the Lord which dwelleth in Zion. Declare among the people his doings. He's encouraging people to praise God and to declare the marvelous works of God, to engage in that mission, to evangelize, to tell others the need of Christ. Their great need of Christ. When we think about Remembrance Day, Remembrance Day continually reminds us about a great love. Those that lay down their lives, those that we are to remember, those whom we are not to forget. And this nation does not do a great duty in remembering the lost and in honoring their names. And as believers, we can think about the love of Christ. The love of Christ is, in the, is seen in the great battle for his people. He loved us and gave himself for us. 1 Corinthians 15, there is that great victory that overcometh the world. Great victory that speaks of the power of the gospel and the power of Christ. And that great mission that we have. David's victory speaks of a victory over sin and the flesh and the evil of this world. But we rest in a greater victory because it points to that great victory, the victory of Christ. And we rest in his victory over sin and over death and hell and the flesh. Are you resting in that victory? The victory that Christ has purchased. Resting in the gospel of Christ. Resting in salvation. Resting in what Christ has done for his people. Oh, that you would believe. David's victory points to the victory of Christ to redeem sinners such as you. And it is that victory that is the mission of the church to proclaim that all the world may know that there is a God in heaven, that there is a Savior for sinners. Oh, that we as the church of Christ would continually declare that. C.T. Studd has said these words, Two little lines I heard one day, traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart, and from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. 
And he says much more, but he's pointing to the fact our lives are short. Let us labor for Christ. Let us engage in that mission. David engaged in that mission. That all the world may know that there is a God in heaven. Dear believer, if we were to summarize your life and to take your life and to write a sentence about it, and we said that you were motivated by the glory of God to live in such a way that all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven, would that be an accurate description of your life? Reaching out by your life and by your witness that all the world, or at least this small part of the world, the part in which you live would know that there is a God in heaven. This is David's mission. This was the worthy cause that he was fighting for. This is the worthy cause that you and I are to stand for. And then finally we see that our might is from the Spirit of God. Our might is from the Spirit of God. Verse 47. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. David was given the armor of Saul in the verses we didn't read. He rejected that armor. He took that which he trusted. The stone and the sling that he had used to kill those predators. That had attacked the flock of sheep that he had. He used tried and trusted means. As the people of God, we have tried and trusted means. We have the word of God. We have the gospel of Christ. We have the spirit of God. Means that have been used throughout history. Dear believer, you resting upon the might of God and the might of his spirit. David acknowledged there, verse 36, verse 37, those very past experiences and help that came from the Lord. And he went in the name of the Lord, not himself. He acknowledged that he fought in the name of the Lord. We've seen that as well. And where did this power and this strength come from? He had the assurance of this presence and power with him. He had assurance of the Lord being with him. He was one who prayed and one who knew the word and one who was close to God. Oh, you may say, well, standing for God, that's difficult. And that's hard. And even in the workplace or the family, where there's so many who don't trust Christ, it is hard and difficult to speak of Christ, to live for Christ. Well, David knew the might of the Spirit of God, and so can you. So can you. The Lord saveth not with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's. He can give that help. Young David knew that help. Dear believer, keep close to the Lord. Keep close to his word. Have that relationship with him in prayer. Know that strength of the spirit. That you can go forth in strength for the glory of God. To fulfill that great mission. That all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven. Oh, that we would know the word of God. We would desire to fear the Lord. That we would have upon him his armor. That we would not be afraid to stand for Christ. May David's life and David's actions here be an encouragement for you and I. 
to serve the Lord, to not be ashamed of the Lord. How easy it would have been for David to drop off his package with his brethren, to get out of there as fast as he could, to not look back. It's not his problem. It's Saul's problem. He's the king. He's the leader. David, for the glory of God, went forth in the might of God to fulfill the mission that God has given to his people that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Oh, that we would be motivated to God's glory, motivated to fulfill that mission. Where God has placed us, using the right means to the glory of his name. May the Lord bless his word for his name's sake. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Our eternal God and our Father in heaven, we thank thee tonight for, or this morning for thy word. We thank thee, Father, for the example of David, one who stood for thee, one who loved thee, one who was motivated to the honor and glory of his God. Father, may we be motivated by thy honor and by thy glory to stand for thee to accomplish great things for thee through the power of thy spirit. Father, may we as the church be concerned about the right means, using the right means. Oh, how many today claim to serve thee by using the wrong means. And oh, how they claim that those who point out the error of these means and the danger of these means. They're standing against this great work that they're claiming to do. But Father, may we reassess ourselves. May we look at this great work, the great work of going into the world with the gospel. And may we be moved to use the right means, means that glorify thee, means that do not appeal to the fleshly desires of men. But Father, may the right means be used to glorify thee. Father, give us a heart for mission. Give us a heart to evangelize. Give us a heart that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Father, enable us as thy church to go forth continually for thee, to battle those giants that stand against us through the power of the Spirit of God. And Father, bless us, we pray. We ask for thy blessing to be upon us Bring us again to thy house this night and may the love of God our Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship and communion of God the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.